Dude, what is going on, bro? How you doing? You look like you're doing damn good right now. Fuck yeah, man. I'm doing hella good, dude. Got my my favorite, one of my favorite t-shirts on. You know what I'm saying? Fuck yeah, bro. Dude, uh, Overland, dude. You got me hooked on them. You're the one that got me hooked on them. In fact, you got me hooked on them and bought me my first t-shirt from them. And every year I try to buy another t-shirt from them. This is one of my favorites just because it's one of my goals to have a rooftop uh, tent for my vehicle. Um, but fuck yeah, bro. Yeah, dude, I was out at some um, some place. I don't know. I was in a back country road the other day in New Jersey. And I saw somebody with a rooftop tent camping. And I was just like, yeah, someday, someday. Someday. Why not? Like. Throw a tent on top of your car. That way the bears can't fuck with you, right? You're ready to camp anywhere you are. You don't have to set everything up. I don't know, man. That's the life. That's the dream. I don't know that everybody agrees with us, but I don't know, man. It's better than RV man, to me, you know? We, um, Mark and I, every couple of years, we try to do, a, um, like, an insane trip. Um, really, the time that I fell in love with the idea of a rooftop um, you know, tent, it's been out for much longer than seven years, but really fell in love with the idea about six, seven years ago when we went up to Allagash Lake in, in Maine. And if you guys don't know anything about the Allagash Lake in Maine, I'd highly recommend you guys pulling it up. Really interesting stuff. It's one of the most remote lakes in the world or in the United States, at least it's, uh, Northern Maine guys. It's truly spectacular. Uh, it took us a good, what, uh, 16 hours um, the second we started driving on the back roads to get to the lake, um, it took us longer than two normal. mile canoe. But yeah, the, exactly. There are no roads that lead to the lake, so you have to take the road to a lake, and then from that lake, you have to paddle up a river, and then you end up at Allagash Lake, which is like you said in Maine. It's one of the most remote places in the country, and it's really fun. Truly spectacular. We and aren't allowed to tell trout. anybody the name of the lake that we used to get there because the guy made me promise. So um, the guy who told me about it, um, I don't know him anymore. So if anybody really, really wants to know how to get to Allagash Lake, hit us up and I will tell you the name of the lake to take to get there. But in the end, Truly spectacular. I'm, I'm doubting many people out there are ready for that type of adventure, bro. Like once you get out there, like there ain't nothing. nothing. Got a few campsites, got a few bears, Got some lake trout, got some good brook trout. You got a lot going on, but that's our type of adventure, bro. That's our type of adventure. Yeah. Like, to me, like, there's something spectacular when you can explore like that, you know? And we get to do that every few years, which is great. Mm. I say every few years, but we're kind of uh, addicted to this whole steelhead thing right now. If you guys yeah. don't know anything about steelhead fishing, uh, steelhead trout, they're fucking phenomenal. Nothing like it. It's truly spectacular, and Mark and I have been on that kick for a while now. Yeah, man. Looking forward to that. I was just telling you that they shipped my, my waders. I bought a brand new nice set of Sims waders, and they sent it to New Hampshire, where I used to live. So I got to figure out how to get my waders. But as soon as I get them, dude, I'll have to test them out on the Delaware River, figure out if I can catch some brown trout. But we've been talking a lot about fishing it's that time of year, so of course we are. But Hell yeah, we are. I mean, man, dude. We can't wait there? for sure. So, 
Anyway, dude. I like what you're doing there. What is that? <laughs> Never mind. That was not on purpose, so. <laughs> uh, I have trouble sticking things in holes sometimes, guys. Dude, I don't. Uh, you're good, man. <laughs> oh, man. So, we were talking about it a little bit, bro. So much going on in the football world, breaking Thank down everything but one thing we haven't talked about because you know it was monday night bro but let's talk a little bit about that cowboys giants game dude i know that you're ready to talk about that one yeah man um cowboys giants first of all if you guys don't know us i like the giants i've always been a giants fan and it really kind of sucks when you lose to the Cowboys. Your team loses to their arch rivals, essentially. And not only that, but a redheaded quarterback beats you. I don't know if it gets any worse than that. That's it? <laughs> That's, I, can't, I can't think of anything else right now, man. I'm just, I'm just, I, you know, I was all hyped up about this Giants team. And, and then Cooper Rush, which has, like, seriously, like, fuck this dude he has two cool names cooper rush right like most people are lucky if they get one cool name uh this dude gets two man cooper rush anyways so yeah dude now you have all these fans that are going crazy right now you have michael irving right now that's like off his fucking rocker do you, you see that thing you want to pull that up right there what he does does oh yeah on Stephen a's show right here i got oh you. this is great guys he um he's a little jacked little <laughs> finger looking good special michael irvin is on it bro and here's the thing i want to say all right he might be right he might be right dude he might be i mean damn dude you gotta respect Look at Stephen what... a dude yeah, Stephen yeah. a doesn't want to hear any more of it he's he's a loyal giants fan and this just really messed him up dude yeah dude i know what you mean but bro dude seriously what the fuck cooper rush man comes out i mean say what you want it's it's more than just one player but this is a quarterback league man and that's that yeah dude but in the end rush did play for the giants as well yeah so i didn't know the giants what's that i didn't know that yeah, he was two years with the Giants, so he got uh, undrafted uh, free agent uh, by Dallas, then uh, was cut by Dallas, and then Giants picked him up for a couple years, and then he went back to Dallas. So, Well, here's the thing, bro. As far as the Cowboys go, how, like, how legit do you think Micah Parsons is as far as, like, like can he carry that defense by himself? I mean, he doesn't need to. He's got some help. But, like, I think – You like... have to have an it factor, man. Okay. You know, think about every single championship team in the last, you know, three decades, at least the three decades that I've been alive for. There's always been your massive major anchor, major player of your defensive team. I mean, it doesn't matter. I, I To me, like, mm-hmm. I, I look at Micah Parsons and I say, okay – this young man is special, and by all means, I, I, yeah, I do think that he can be that it factor for them. And anytime that you have a, a special young man like this 
and a talented you know player like this, you've got to go out of your way to continue to make sure you, he gets whatever he needs to be better. And I think the way that the Dallas Cowboys have their coaching system right now, like, you know, Jerry Jones is, is more hands-off than he's ever been with his team. And to me, like, this is a good thing for them. Now they have an opportunity to do something great. And I do think the coaching staff that they have is truly designed for a defensive team. And I think Micah is going to lead that way for sure, man. He's special. He is special. Like, I don't know. I feel... Like, I don't even want to admit this, bro, but I feel incredibly ignorant because I really was really unaware of how good he was. Like, oh, I had dude, heard... He's crazy. Yeah, I had heard he'd won the Defensive Rookie of the Year, right? But sometimes you see guys who win that, and it doesn't mean necessarily that they are automatically a premier pass rusher in the league. And how often do these guys come along where you look at them... We've, we've seen a lot of Rookie of the Years that are defensive guys that play seven, eight games, you know? Right. And, and that's that's just saying, you know, what what is expected out of a rookie typically. So when I when I look at Micah Parsons, I think of a player like that immediately puts himself in the name in the group of guys like Von Miller. Hmm. Um, I hate comparing anybody to Miles Garrett, but Miles Garrett, even though we need to talk about him a little bit more coming up. Oh yeah. Um, but you also have um, just like historically people were comparing him to lawrence taylor which whatever which i think is a great comp by the way like i think the speed and his physical physicality and his little it factor you know lawrence taylor i mean i think he's bigger and obviously a little bit faster than lawrence but dude that's to be able to say what second or third year whatever it is it fucking doesn't second matter. second year bro yeah I, I i'm out there watching him and okay this is how good he is all right as as a as a rookie, you expect that rookie play, right? Right. And he comes out and he really just like it's like okay, okay, this guy's good, this guy's good, and then this year it really feels like his fourth year, and that's yeah. what's so so surprising to me is the way he's playing out there. Yeah, I, I get it. This is a small sample size of what's happening right now, but I dude like, yeah, like as he steps up to the line, crazy bro. Like he'll do like a little stutter step before the snap. Oh, yeah. And then he's going fast enough, but with enough power that he can, like, plow somebody over, right, push them on their ass, and then go and chase down a quarterback who's known for his mobility. Daniel Jones can get outside the pocket and run. And he was able to do that a few times. And, but the thing about Micah Parsons is he gets to top speed so fast. So even if you're so, mobile like Daniel Jones, you're not it's like two or three steps, man, for him. I'm almost it right. feels like at least and like the fastest two mode. steps I've seen maybe ever. He seems like a predator. That's yeah. what he looks like out there on defense. He's not like and that's the he's thing like about stalking Lawrence. his prey out there. Right, right, and that's the thing Lawrence Taylor was right. He always seemed like had this edge where that's what he was doing. And I'm not saying Von Miller isn't, but like Miller is like a terror like inside the pocket right but i feel like micah parsons is like trying to get people to to run outside the pocket because that's where he really excels so he he kind of mm -hmm. like he'll he'll go and blow up the pocket well and, and I, but, somebody. Well, the way the defensive scheme though i feel like a lot of the you know obviously head coach there has been some crazy um opportunities as coach with the green bay packers and different things like that so the way his defensive schemes sometimes go and run, I do feel like they are pushing all these players 
the, to the outside. I think it's one of those things where, like, even some of the times the delayed um, rush from him, you know, like, like, it's like, okay, he's waiting for the play to develop. Maybe that's how good he is, is he's able to just wait back. But I, I do feel like, like, this is a lot of the defensive scheme is the way that he kind of hesitates, you know? I, I, to me, uh, A, this is the coaching staff teaching him how to be patient and wait for the blocks to see where the opening is, or this is actually him understanding the game in a completely different way. Because some guys just, they, they need that physical contact in order to figure out everything. But in a way, I feel like he's observing everything as almost a point guard would out on the floor. It's like, let me look, let me look. Oh, yeah, yeah, right there. Bam. Right. All right. You right. Know, it's like, not all just bullying, you know, like overpowering people and over, you know, outrunning them. It's yeah. also understanding down and situation. And, but, like, look, dude, we've sucked insane. enough cowboy dick for a little while, bro. Let, let me ask <laughs> you, dude, um, as a Giants fan, yes, um, there's something I'm not going to show, but obviously the Sterling Shepard injury is you know depressing um but as a giants fan what did you other than the sterling shepherd injury what, what did you see in the in the cowboys game um did you see enough to say it was a positive game or i mean it's a loss but like let's face it we didn't expect to be undefeated going into this game so i man it's hard to say that this was a positive loss but I think this Cowboys team is going to be the best team in the in the division. Yes, the Eagles are undefeated or whatever. I get that. Um, but this Cowboys team is incredibly, uh, incredibly gifted, uh, well coached. I mean, they've got a backup now that the team believes on believes in. Just in case Dak isn't able to come back uh, soon or he gets re injured, the team still believes in rushing out, and that's man, that's that insurance is yeah. huge. Yeah. Uh, we, we've seen it happen in the NFL before with Nick Foles and, and, you know, Tom Brady, that these guys are, you know, backup quarterbacks and they come in a couple games they play because of injury. And then all of a sudden, bam, they're there in the playoffs playing and playing at a high level. Uh, it's because the team believes in them. And I think that's the situation we're in right now is that yes, Dak is a phenomenal player. Uh, but the way that rush has developed that it factor for the team, it, it develops that that it factor for the Dallas Cowboys now so as a Giants fan how do I feel like that kind of uh uh hits man here's the thing Daniel Jones is getting better and that's one of the things that I have to continue to look at is Daniel Jones uh, the protection that he's getting uh you know how Barkley's doing how his wide receivers are obviously this you know, Sterling Shepard injury this sucks major dick but I don't I like it just to me like this is just what happens sometimes you know like i think this team you know daniel jones could be okay that he could turn into being a, a better quarterback than we realize uh but we need better wide receivers right now obviously the injury bug has hit us and that just sometimes uh you can't do anything about you know what i'm saying but i do think that this was one of those things that if i'm coach and i'm bringing these guys in where the injury that we just saw to Sterling with uh, the leader of as, as one of the team leaders, you have to pull these guys in and be like, you know what? Good job guys. You know what? This is a tough loss. Shit happens. Let's go next week. 
because like for me, I, I look at it, you know, we look at, talked about Micah Parsons. We talked about how good he is. You know, one of the key factors to being a great player in the NFL is for the entire meaning of, you know, National Football League, NFL. And it also stands not for long, right? And that's what NFL yeah. players say. It's for real. If you can have a longevity that is a 10-year career that is high-end, you're good. You know, you're going to be known as one of the greats. And that's one of the things that you have to look at with this team. And you have to see with this Giants team is like where those players are, you know, where are those guys are at what point are we looking at, you know, this, this, this Giants team saying, this is it. I don't think this Giants team, this is it. I think we have a ton of first round talent, second round talent and third round talent. That's, that's, you know, panning out right now, but we're still a couple pieces short of you know, a happy meal or whatever you want to say maybe a championship contender maybe even couple a couple of um major Mc, pieces mcnuggets short of a happy meal <laughs> um, i love right. this giants team and i love the coaching staff and what they're doing i just feel like we need a truly spectacular wide receiver or we need another quarterback that can make do with what he has and right, that to me is, is a couple major pieces away on the defensive side. I think we're doing a lot better, but yet again, I think we're a couple pieces or maybe a single piece away from being a championship contender on the defensive side. So you know what draft and free agency is going to be big this next year. For sure, dude. I mean, it always is though. And I, I do think for the first time, like, as I would say, a reluctant Giants fan, I, I feel like there's like <laughs> positive momentum for the Giants, right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know that like I felt that in years and I get it. Like it's been since 2016 that the Giants were like two and oh. So of course yeah. it's been a while since there's been anything positive. And that was the last time they were over 500. So like, that's totally understandable, but it's like, I do feel like they know what they're doing out there. Um, at least they're all on the same page. And I think when you when you look at things like special teams and stuff like that, like obviously we need to get more talented at these positions and we need to sure. take it to the next level as far as like continuity. But dude, it was a mess over the last, you know, six years or what. So I mean it's I'm it's at, been at least let, good let's to just see be honest. Let's just be honest. It's it's been a mess for the last twenty plus years because even when we won the championship with the giants you know we won the super bowl right like even those years we barely creeped into the playoffs and there we go man yes i'm so glad i'm so glad you brought this up and let me ask you this as we go into this have you ever fumbled the ball this bad um all right dude i'll tell you this i know the feeling because i got close Okay, and you didn't ask for this story, but when my second daughter was being born, like yeah. we weren't expecting her to be born as fast as she was, so I'm the one who caught, and it was at the, it was in our bathtub at the house. Yeah, that this is about what I felt like as she was slipping through my hands, and then I was able to like just out of sheer <laughs> fear of dropping a baby on its head right after it came out, it just grip, grip out of. Yeah, and 
he didn't he didn't quite understand the situation as it started slipping, and I think that was his biggest mistake. I'll let you see. Like here we go. Whoop. Eve the mother. Look at his face, man. <laughs> All right. So I would say if there wasn't something so beneath like the baby, like it could hit its face. If it was uh-huh. going to fall straight down, like it was like being dipped under a waterfall or something like that. <laughs> Look at the if mom's If he grabbed face, bro. the leg and the umbilical cord at the same time. I know it doesn't have one anymore, but like we're talking about me here, right? That would be kind of like how I held my baby up, right? But I had that same look on my face as, like, but she didn't fall, okay? But I had that same exact feeling of um, terror, right? Luckily, there was yeah. no camera, and it was a not a full drop, but yeah. Wow, that's great. So good, dude. So good. One more time for the road. And Boop. and. Hey, look, that was the baby's face. fault. That was the baby's fault. Oh yeah, the baby just needs to hold still, bro. Right. Look at that. Somebody should told bent the, its back. Bent its back, overcorrected, and they, like but here's the really... problem: they all still think he's a professional. Yeah. Look at, at this, this very all moment. Kind of smiling. Yeah. At this very moment, they all still think the baby is safe in the hands of a professional. It's right here that they realize he's not qualified for the position. Yeah, dude. I mean, you can't expect a priest to be qualified to hold a baby. I mean, I, I'm sorry. Like, out of all the people that I've ever met, they probably have the least experience because they've never had their own children, for most part. I'm sure there's you know some that, priests that... that face before. That's the same face C.D. Lamb made whenever he missed that wide-open catch by dude, Cooper Rush. Dude, dude, man. keep that up there for a second. Let's just all talk right. about that face, man. All right, dude. All right. It looks like the bitter beer face. Remember those old beer commercials in yeah, Milwaukee? Yeah, dude. That's like the bitter beer. No doubt, Don't dude. get bitter and, and beer I, face. I look at this face, and that to me like tells me like this dude just had a spiritual awakening. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like This dude just realized that God punished him because now he's going to be watched millions and millions of times. Like, look at 17. 17 million. Yeah. Like, this is, this is him saying, oh, dear God. I just became famous for the worst possible thing. Well, look. I mean, look at this. This is the problem. I love the mom's face. Holding the baby with an open hand, which I get it. (laughs) Okay, but you have to have an anchor point. Hey, mom, I'm holding him one hand. Right. Right. You gotta, you gotta have an anchor point because (laughs) you never know with babies. Like they can suddenly do things like, like squirm out of the, right. And right here, he still had enough time to correct himself. But it was like he pulled his hand back. He didn't lean. Look at how far he leaned. If this was your own baby, bro, you're going to get wet for it. Oh, right? 100%. But your face is in there. He's just like, oh, I get a new one of these every day. Look at the godmother, bro. Godmother's like six seconds late. I know. And I it's hope so this bad. is the picture that they put up in the house for of the baptism. Uh, dude. Right here. The face plant. Dude, this is this is this is the perfect view. Like, especially the mother, the father, even the father shot. Like, the mother looks mad because she's like, like, I told you he wasn't ready. Like, I told you we should wait another week. He's like, well, this is the only time mom and dad could be here. You know, Dude, like, that scarf is her big problem because she knew it was happening here. But like, oh yeah, she, she, she can't pointed. move her neck. She's pointing. She can't move her neck. The whole time she's like, now she's wet. Now she's wet. He, yeah. All right, dude. This is so, br- so This brilliant. is not why anybody came to our show. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
talking about fumbling. And we're Speaking talking about of, the Giants. I have no <laughs> idea why anybody anybody listens to this show. Oh, dude. Other than, like, dude, if you can get me to laugh, then I'm pretty sure you're getting everybody else to laugh too. But I, I don't I don't even know why you let's, get me to laugh sometimes. I let's talk about first pitches, bro. All right. First pitches. Am I supposed to find? I've seen something? some really shitty first p- pitches through the years. But what Sister Jean? They had S- Sister Jean come up. All right, dude. It's gonna take me a second. So you better start explaining, dude. So it's the third one down on our. I see it. Right, Just start talking about what they're gonna see, oh. dude. So Sister Jean, which is uh, you know one of those Cub fans, man. I love I love Sister Jean. She's always been part of the story there. Um, she's a hundred and three and celebrating her hundred and third birthday, and they have her come out and pitch right here, man. And it's not the pitch, right? We obviously know that a 103-year-old isn't expected to get a strike. It's the comment that the guy says as she's giving the cat a hug. He says, Sister Jean, tickle that cat for us. Like, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, All right, bro. I see the problem. I see the problem. You have such a fucked up mind. It doesn't matter that she's 103 years old. If anybody says anything about anything that you can turn into like sexual content, that's what's going to happen. I see. That's why if if I could explain why I think anybody's listening, I think about growing up at church, right? And how basically... Like, you know, in Oklahoma, we'd have, like, potluck, like, every week. Yeah. And, we, like, us guys would all get together and, and just, like, make a bunch of perverted jokes. And that's what we'd be doing, like, for potluck. I feel yeah, like we've created that spirit on this show. And so if anybody's listening, it's because they want to hear about Dave talking about a 103-year-old sister, Jean, tickling a cat. And that... <laughs> He can't keep him. He can't keep his shit together, <laughs> dude. I, how can you keep a straight face saying that? <laughs> because it's Sister Jean, bro. <laughs> My point. <clears throat> all right, uh, let's go ahead and talk about. All right, Mark and I played for this coach in high school. Uh, his name was Coach Rennie Nickel. Uh, shout out to Rennie Nickel if you listen to the show, please, for the love of God. Write me. I want to Dude. talk to you. I love Rennie Nickel. Rennie Nickel does not listen to this show, but somebody <laughs> who knows Rennie Nickel might listen to this show. So, all right. He was Check a coach of out. ours, JV basketball, right? Dude, he would go all practice, no water, right? Now they would yep. arrest somebody for doing that, but back then, <laughs> and it was normal. Uh, he had a he had a drill where he would peg us with basketballs in the back. You remember that? One? Oh yeah, dude. Okay, but anyway, what is this one? Tell me what we're about to see. All right. So remember that when we do the free throw line one. Yeah. All right, and uh, you would have to sh- uh, run until everybody makes two free throws in a row. Right. So right? this is um, you... miss a free throw, and the whole team runs at King's practice. The whole team dude, runs. That was the drill, bro. Well. And 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 we call this the Rennie Nickel drill. And then this is the reality. This is what sucks about it is in college basketball, at least you have most guys have been playing for at least, you know, six years, right? Right. In JV high school, we had a lot of players that were playing maybe one or two years, maybe even being a first year. And I think of this kid we had named Danielle. Uh, he, he He's not alive anymore, but 
that has nothing to do with basketball. Um, and uh, anyways, Danielle was probably the worst free throw shooter I've ever seen in my life. In fact, the only way we could get him to hit free throws is by shooting him from between the legs. But we would spend, what, 30 minutes after practice, keep on running until this kid would be like, finally hit one. And then Renny would be like, all right, that's enough. Like, we ran so much. Like, listen, I, I have been through, you know, basic trainings and, you know, uh, military academies and shit like that. But the way that I started running with Rennie, I've never done that since. But, man, I started loving the fuck out of running. It was great, dude. <laughs> dude. How else do you not – you have to either fall in love with running if you have a coach like him or you have to quit basketball. And to me, I knew there was a difference. Like, getting in shape, getting all the chunkiness off of, uh, off of me was, was the key there. So, in a way, he taught me how to take my, my game to the next level – even though, like, uh, we had some fucked up moments with with Coach Rennie, he had some. Yeah, Let's like save for that instance, for another episode, bro. Well, no, no, uh, <laughs> he was he was making some uh, uh, bets during the times that we were. He would call his guy. And be like, hey, uh, let's put a uh, hundred dollars down on the Giants Cowboys game, and you know, shit well, like that. He, he you might know, still like... be a coach, so we're gonna save we're gonna save the rest of these <laughs> these episodes. <laughs> Good or, old Rennie. Yeah, dude. We'll, we'll just we'll not say his name, but we'll just say our old coach, and everybody will know our, our old, old JV coach. coach. Anyway, so let's talk, bro. We got some basketball. We're gonna run yes, through man. a couple um, stories here. Um, we'll do a, a couple of good stories, and then we'll swing back, and we'll do sideways stories, and then we'll come back and see what happens. All right. So the Spurs, um, they hired a new coach, Candace Dupree. Yes. So that's a good this, man. That's a good news situation for everybody. I'm looking forward to um you know more assistance and eventually a head coach, you know, not all being men, you know. Well, and think about it. Popovich's, you know, staff was one that uh you know the uh Becky Harmon, Hammond. Hammond, yeah. Hammond, yeah. She's the coach for the Aces who they just won uh the um the title for the WNBA in her first year. Okay. So then Candace Dupree is a player that's played in the WNBA for like, I want to say 14 years, at least a decade. So like, I love what coach Popovich is doing here. To me, this is exactly what women's sports needs is, is coaches that are willing to go out and hire assistants to be on their, um, on their team. Because listen, the, the games are getting to the point where we're, we're going to start seeing a woman coach be, uh, be a head coach very soon. It's going to happen. And I, I'm all for this, man. I, Dude, I know so that many there's bad a lot of people... coaches in the NBA. If you've got so many bad a coach at the level of Becky Hammond, and yeah. they're paving a way, like they need to give her an opportunity. I, I think they should put her like the Magic should seriously consider hiring her yes. if things yes. don't work out. Like I think a team who has like ambitions to win now should hire her. I think yep. as a Thunder fan, if we don't feel like mark degnall is taking the team where it needs to go and we need a coach that can put him over the hill like that would be a great move i don't see that happening right now but i i do think there's plenty of opportunities somebody just has to look at it and say we have a young group and she can grow with this team she's a championship level coach and she's been around for long enough like i i remember when she took over <clears throat> her and tim duncan took over when pop got ejected 
and it was yeah. like she was the one with a clipboard right oh yeah she was the one drawing shit up like there's no reason that she's not a head coach except for like just th- that's never happened before that's it yeah i mean that's the way it's going to be until a, a team and an organization it, that's you know i i looked at the lakers job opening this year i was like for sure man this would be a perfect position for you know genie bus to stand up and say hey let's hire you know i yeah. this would have been a perfect situation i i would have loved this this would have set the tone for the you know nba for the future you know um hiring of 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 coaches in the future yeah. um anyways but without asking stuck on becky let's go ahead and and bring up one of the things that we we skipped last time was talking about matt barnes man matt barnes personally came out kind of like you and was like everybody should have their own you know whatever if they want to you know half the nba is fucking everybody else so like what's the big difference type thing you know what i'm saying right and then we're talking about the the coach for the celtics udoka and him getting fired not fired suspended for a year and the aftermath and matt barnes opinion on it anyway keep going bro yeah and Matt Barnes officially, after he heard more details, came out and essentially was like, well, shit, this is not a bigger deal than I thought. Which comes back to the whole issue is, are the Celtics doing the right thing by just suspending him? No, I still stand by, even with this new information, which I don't know exactly what changed Matt Barnes' mind, but... The new information I've heard that came out, a couple of things. First thing, that it was his some sort of assistant who was in charge of planning his travel and his fiance's travel, including up to moving his fiance to um, Boston within days of the announcement coming out without any knowledge, without telling the fiance anything. So there's lots of logistical issues, literally why, and figuratively, it- with this. Oh, like secret damn, keeping man. and i and i get it is mind-blowing but at the same time like you're gonna fuck who you're gonna fuck right it doesn't matter like oh if you're if you're like oh she's really attractive like oh i can't fuck her because she's into she's like in charge of my travel plans like like no it's just like the reality is if like if that's what you're gonna do you're gonna, it doesn't matter what that position is so i'm not surprised that it was his assistant that was in charge of his travels it's just like it's gonna be somebody who's close to him probably all right. Then I also heard that at first during this long investigation, right, that it seemed con- completely consensual, but over time it maybe became apparent that it wasn't like in the sense that he initiated things with some unwanted advances, unwanted comments. Okay. What? I don't know for sure, but these these are the things uh, I've been reading on TMZ and different things like that. So I stand by it. It's like either this is a fireable offense right or it's not but suspending somebody for a year and making it so they stay around is bullshit look if they fired him look why wouldn't they fire him because if they fired him he would get another job somewhere else almost instantaneously he just left the nba finals that's why they won't fire him okay so they're punishing him in a way where they get the choice whether or not to keep him okay but if, if it's true that he was you know making unwanted sexual advances toward her that's a fireable offense fire him do you think 
you think this is the way that they're trying to protect him by keeping on to him and holding on to him because the second he's fired, he no longer has protection of the Celtics legal no, team. It's, they wanna they wanna hold on to him. If this is everything that there is, they're gonna reinstate him next year. And if it gets worse, then they're gonna fire him. But the idea that they could keep him suspended for a year and then fire him, like his agent <coughs> should say, Hell no. It's one or the other. You know what I mean? You tell us yeah. he's going to be suspended for a year and then he'll be reinstated. But to say he'll be re- like suspended for a year and then at that point, because the Celtics can't fi- like suspend him from, from other teams. So right. he should be allowed to go coach at the Hornets. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I okay. You, man. Like, I understand that he like violated some, some team policies, right? But. If he did, if that's all it was, then he should be allowed to go coach somewhere else. If he violated NBA policies, then he shouldn't. And, and I think that that's a, that's a legitimate question. But I think sometimes you'll see this, especially in churches like the church we grew up in, right? They'll be like, nobody can know anything about this, right? It's a mm-hmm. super secret, 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 right? It's like, oh, the pastor was like messing around with somebody he shouldn't have been. Nobody's allowed to talk about it, right? If we we (laughs) shut everybody down from talking about it, then we control the narrative. But the problem is you don't because then everybody just says behind their back, like they just tell everybody what they know. And then the narrative is controlled by whoever knows the most, which is always people who are lying about the details. And so then they lose control of the narrative. You can't control what people think. And the Celtics are trying to, to have it both ways. And, He's too good of a coach to sideline for a year in his prime. Maybe his actions have made it so he's no longer hireable in the NBA. But they're like, oh, no, no, nobody can know anything. And, da, 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 and we're, that's how we're going to keep it all under wraps. And we're going to do this and to protect him, but really to protect the Celtics brand. And the fact that they have one an elite young coach who happens to want to have a girlfriend and a fiance. Well, <laughs> Pick. I love it how people are like, I can't believe he did this to his wife. And it's like, bro, like, when you win, want the kitty cat, you get the kitty cat. It doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, bro. I'm just saying. It doesn't matter who your wife is. If you're addicted to the kitty cat, you're addicted to the kitty cat. It doesn't matter. Like, like I understand that his wife is famous, but just like, you know? Yeah, I mean, if that's what you're going to do with your extra time, then your thing, every man. time you look, turn around, it's another opportunity to do that. Like, that's your life, right? I mean, and I get it. Like, from the Celtics' perspective, it's like, I don't want, we don't want a head coach who's like running off in the broom closet every time, you know? Like, but in the end. Hey, where's coach? Uh, I don't know. He went with his assistant someplace. Magic Johnson had, he, I mean, he had, He'd always have a new girl in the hot tub after every game, right? Like, True. oh, we can we can let that happen from players, but a coach does that. Uh, we're breaking down some sort of trust within the organization. Like, I get it. They're gonna do whatever they're gonna do, and they're probably gonna destroy his career to protect their brand. Fine, you know what I mean? Like he, <laughs> like you brought it up last time. But, like, mm-hmm. he's getting far more suspension than Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson had over 20-something people say that it was unwanted. 
And this is a consensual relationship that maybe started with some inappropriate advances. And if it did, fire him. And if it didn't, then don't suspend him. That's it. Game over. That's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. We'll go with that. I like it. No offense, but fuck off. Fuck off. Uh, Kendall... Kendallin Johnson dislocates his right shoulder. This was fucked, man. Yeah, I saw it. We don't need to play it. It's only a uh, Twitter thing from Shams, a Shames. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But this sucked to see Kendall Johnson do this. Uh, listen, I've done this, man. I've dislocated my shoulder. This fucking hurts like a motherfucker. I feel awful for anybody that has to do it. Has to put it back in place, dude. This is not not a fun situation. I haven't watched it. I'm not going to watch it. Um, all right. Let's move cool. on, dude. Um, Patrick Beverly. And Westbrook. Our Did besties. You, like, our besties? Every... I can't get over this, man. I can't get over this. You know why I think they're besties? Fuck with the media. Okay. Because, yeah, dude, I think... I think he's one of those Patrick Beverly is one of those guys that you prove your friendship by by doing things for them, by helping him out. Did you hear the story here? It talks about, you know, Patrick Beverly, they're playing against Houston. And Westbrook at a free throw line goes up to Patrick Beverly and is like, Hey, I got your sister's uh front row tickets. No. And he literally says, What the fuck you say? And then later down, he comes down, the next play down, because he said he didn't, all he heard was sisters. Next play down, he looks over, and his sister's sitting in the front row, and then he puts it together. That what Russ did that, and then he goes down the court, and he's like, ah, this is after Patrick Beverly tore his ACL, in, or uh, MCL in Oklahoma City, you know? Yeah. And he went down, next time down, and he's like, Westbrook, you for real, man. You're one of those guys that are for real, and... You know, thank you for doing this for my family. And that's where the friendship started. So that's the moment that I think those two guys became friends. And everything else has just been media shit. You know, I think on the years off, I think they're they're working out together. You know? Yeah. I think there's a true friendship with those guys. So Especially Patrick a, Beverly and Westbrook. Speaking of true friendship, Westbrook. Russ... LeBron, Anthony Davis at the media day, standing in front of a white screen, and Russ has them cracking up. You think this is a big three picture that they're going to use throughout the season? Or is this going to be one of those ones that they're ditching as soon as they can? Dude, let me let me just put this for, uh, frankly. First of all, Westbrook is in better shape than he's been in a long time. Okay? Right. He has this desire to play and win. Okay? Yeah. He has a teammates that believe in him. All right. Yeah. They all recognize that that LeBron and AD were all injured last year, and you can't blame that on fucking Russ. You know, you just can't. Yeah. I'm sorry, but all those people out there that are haters on Russ, I, I I get why you're upset, but the reality is is that you had, you know, two of your your star players out for a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. That that's not Russ's fault. You know, he's carrying the team a lot by himself, and he still did okay. Like. He struggled, but I mean, listen, if you would struggle too, if, if 2 million fans were essentially booing you and, and cussing you and, and, and threatening you and shit like that, that's what happened with Russ, 
Russ last year, and now he still wants to be there in L.A. Because if he didn't want to be in L.A., he would have found a way to get out. Yeah. So he believes in these guys as much as them. So I think Russ is staying put. I don't think he's moving, and I think they're going to enjoy the fuck out of this year. I think it's going to be a phenomenal year, and I think this is the year that Russ gets to say fuck you to the NBA and gets to put a fucking ring on that finger. All right. Because I believe in fucking Russ, bro. Come on. <laughs> yeah, dude. All right, cool. Get it, Russ. I believe in Russ, too, but whatever that means, I don't think he's getting a ring this year, bro. <laughs> oh, man. You want to talk some thunder? Not yet, bro. We'll save that Not one yet. for a minute. All, all right, right, man. All right. Before we get into the thunder, let's talk a bit about the Yankees, dude. All right, I'm down. I'm always talking about Yankees. Let's do it. All right, man. So let's let's talk. We got the AL East sealed up yep. last night, bro. Saw the Budweisers getting cracked. So great to see, by the way. Aaron Judge out there drinking beer with the guys. I love it when he said, don't pop the bottles without me, right? Yep, yep. That's some great shit, dude. That was some great shit. Um, so... <clears throat> Now what, bro? Pressure's off for clinching the LEs. Yeah, and everybody's been making this shit about Aaron Judge, man. Listen, mm. fucking pisses me off, first of all. I, I, I get it. He's not hitting that, you know, 61st home run, all right? But he's getting, he's taking what he's getting, first of all. You know, like, he's going out there, and essentially, he's he's improved his batting average. He got walked four times last night, right? Now he is leading, uh, the American League, right? Mm-hmm. Four or uh, three fourteen, right? Yeah. So next person that's behind him would be we're looking at uh, Lewis Areza first baseman from Minnesota and he's at 313 and then there's a, a massive gap between Bogart and and Judge now. So I, I I get what people are saying but he's not cold. He's just not hitting a home run. I think if you think about the pressure of making sure that you get the American East uh you know uh done and you don't have to worry about that anymore. You got one more week of playing. So now you got American East done. You have um Everything else is set. You're now leading in the triple crown race, which to me, if I'm sitting there saying, would you rather 62 home runs or the triple crown? I'm saying fucking triple crown. Right? Yeah. So if that's the case and that's what he's saying, and if you say, would you rather have 62 home runs or the triple crown and you get 60 home runs, what would you say? I would say, again, triple crown. Triple but what crown, would you say? 60 home runs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, without it is blinking. a great record, but in the end, nothing is going to be more memorable than that year where you went for I, 60. Dude, adding two home runs versus adding he's the gonna do triple it. crown. Yeah, There's no way he doesn't do it. It's about making sure that he gets he takes what he can get. Nobody wants to be that person that he ties the record, and nobody wants to be that person that breaks the record. You know, And that's what it comes down to, is that he's just got to get a pitch that he just fucking destroys. Well, and I like what, what I heard them say last night that he said, which is, like, like pitchers give home runs. 
right? And at this point, it's all like it's all about waiting for the right opportunities. And I, and I love it because he's not chasing. And they have so rival. They're they're playing rivals right now. They're playing the Boston Red Sox. You yeah. know, nobody wants to give up those home runs there. You play the Blue Jays. Nobody wants to play give up those home runs. You yeah. know, so again, it's just me. I I understand what people are saying. I, I I respect it, but I think they're on a nine game win streak. So I think we should let that be, or nine of ten games, or whatever it is. Here we go, bro. Aaron Judge. Don't pop him without me. Going to get some. <laughs> He's like, you're a little dry over there. <laughs> Dude. Beer. Beer. Yingling Bayer beer in Lake Erie is going oh, to be yeah. sick. Why not? But, but man, again, back to the 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 Yankees, dude. I uh, I think they're all right. I think there's a lot of people that are, are a little freaked out about what's going on right now. But I think the reality is that, you know, we went through some serious shit halfway through the year, just after halfway through the year, um, and they were able to bounce back and be at the position they are now. They've shown heart. They've shown desire. You know, like Cole getting kicked out. We talked about it last podcast, the podcast before about when Cole got kicked out. It was like sending this message to the team that it doesn't fucking matter. We're going to do whatever it takes. You know, Boone's been kicked out a couple times here and there. You know, these are things that we're going through. We're seeing Matt Blake and the way he coaches uh, with a pitching um, aspect is is truly phenomenal. And uh, he's doing another phenomenal year with that bullpen. Uh, yeah, there's been some staggers, but we've gone through a ton of injuries so I do feel like everything is coming together at the right time. Uh, we know who uh, – we've got some extra pitchers that are coming back um, that are going to probably be pitching. Like, Herman is going to be coming back. Uh, Sevy just came back last game. So we're going to see some of these guys get thrown in situations because we are going to need a long um, um, long or many-inning guy just in case we have a pitcher that throws a, a couple bad innings. We can throw him out, get him out of there. And, you know – Bring him in, bring in the long inning guy, which will be, I, I hope it's Herman because to me, Herman is one of those uh, young, talented guys that uh, he comes in and it doesn't matter. He can pitch three or four innings uh, and just knock him out without blinking. He has a funky uh, wind up, so a lot of people have a hard time, you know, catching up to it. But I think this would be a great opportunity for this Yankee team to do some great things. And man, Jameson Tyon looks good. And, you know, I in the past, I, I won't even say, you know, the Houston Astros a lot of times on the show. And I'm always like joking around, like I know they've won 104 games or whatever this year, but like, I I've never like, to me, like I understand that they're good, but if you're comparing teams to me, it's this, this team here with the Yankees, like, yeah, we went through a shitty 30 games or whatever, but like this team right here is one of the best teams I have seen in a long time. And when we're putting everything together, that's that's when special things happen. So I man, I don't know. I just have a really good feeling about this year. Yeah, fuck especially the Astros, playoff side. Dude. Fuck the Astros. What else is there to say, dude? All right, man. So when you look around, everything that's going on right now, obviously college football is picking up, and we hope that you guys will join us tomorrow. Or I'm sorry, on Friday, man. We talk about. All the upcoming games, college football, top 25, looking for those upsets like always. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the upcoming NFL games. And Monday we recap those. So yep. 
that's it's always fun. a lot of fun. Yep. We're excited about that. Um, definitely excited about playoff baseball on the way. You know, it's great to see teams out there partying with some some alcohol. <laughs> Why not? They earned it. It's a long Hell season, yeah, they did. man. So Heck yeah, 162 game season. That's insanity. Yeah, and then on the flip side of it, we're talking about basketball, right? We're I, we're like a week away from seeing preseason games or something. Like I don't know exactly how far away, but pretty quick, like, man. It, it's in no time. You know, training camp just picked up. We saw NBA media day. There's all sorts of news, you know, bouncing around about different things. Um, like KD, Nash, did they work it out? They seem like maybe they had a moment. Whatever that means. I, I don't know how anybody with Nash's level of pedigree as far as a player, like, just ignores what KD just did. I, I can't imagine. But anyway... You know, that's something that needs to be figured out. But then another conflict between a coach and a player, we're talking about DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams, they haven't talked since Game 7, bro. So that was one of the all-time classic bad endings. It reminded me a lot of the way Ben Simmons and Doc Rivers ended the season in Philadelphia, and we never saw Ben Simmons play again. It was He got thrown under the bus for not taking shots. You know, and so... Those are kind of like peripheral things, you know, that we're watching in the NBA. Um, you got anything to add about either of those coach-player conflicts? Yeah, man, the Monty Williams thing. Like, I listen. There are going to be young players that just don't play up to a game seven, and sometimes the best thing you can do for their careers is benching them. It, it, I've been there, man. Where we had this, you know, phenomenal player in high school, and you know, my senior year. He went out there and just nothing went in. I think he shot like 0 for 14 or 0 for 15 in the game. You know, he choked hardcore, right? And it's not that you're like, oh, my God, like, what the hell, right? But when at the last two minutes of the game, he was benched. And it wasn't anything against him, but it's just sometimes you can't put those guys out there. You just can't. You're like, you haven't hit anything. You haven't, you know you're not going to, you know, all of a sudden start hitting shots, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And with DeAndre Ayton, like, he just wasn't playing up to game seven. And guess what? He got benched. So what is he going to do next time? He knows the standard. He knows what he needs to do. And he can take that as an insult. But I guarantee you during the season, when Coach Monty Williams says, hey, it's game seven time, guess what? He's going to know what that means. And if he doesn't step up, he's going to fucking sit right down next to Coach Monty Williams. All right, man. Sounds like you're still living in the past, bro. That's cool. I get it. That's how no, we no, handled it in no. our day. It's, it's not about handling in, in, in our day. It's about you know teaching a young player an important lesson. If yeah. this was a if this was an NBA veteran, you don't do this to an NBA veteran, bro. He was the number one pick. I listen, a young player. Yeah, but my point is, first contract, young player, first contract. Right, and. They matched. So he obviously went out there and got a contract in, with Indiana that he wanted to go play. But not talking to him, bro, listen, bad sign. Bad, listen, bad, bad sign of leadership right there. I, I understand. but And I'm a big fan of Monty I'm, Williams. I'm a huge fan of Monty Williams. And but that's why that's I, I feel like there's more to the story than just listening to this thing on, on Twitter. Is what, you know, he was asked – 
um, hey, when you coached Monty Williams and he immediately interrupted him and says, we haven't talked at all. Like, there, to me, listen, the way that he was emotional like that, there's more to this fucking story than we're, we're understanding. Okay, it's a long season. He's been there for a couple of years. There's more to the story, and and what that part is, we don't know. Bro, but they'll listen, work it out. I've been a big fan of Monty Williams, but let's face it, when he reunited with Chris Paul, like, and they talked about the time in New Orleans, it wasn't all kumbaya moments. It was like mm. he was too hard. He was too critical. He's a harsh he was coach. Yeah, too controlling. Right. And now True. like people were like acting like, oh, look, he's he's so much more mature. He's worked through it. You know, life has softened him, all this shit. And then now we're looking at it like he's run into another problem where mm-hmm. his will is like, anyway, we'll move on. I, 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 I hope I hope they can figure it out because if they can't coach. figure it out. He was they'll be looking someone, for a new coach. I really appreciate his family. I appreciate him. But I'm just saying that's that's not good. I don't care who you are, I don't well, care think where about you're it. from. That's What's your longevity as a head coach to a team that you can't figure out how to win and you have a championship caliber team? Right. And oh, and by the it's, way, it's you're a having short conflict window. with with stars on the yeah. team. So that's what I'm saying. This is his last year. He figures this out or he's done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if James Jones has the kahunas to make that call after you know, whatever, but he needs to. We'll see. That, that's a big time. That's a big boy decision to get rid of a, a coach like Monty Williams after he got you to the finals. But yeah, it might but be we've the seen right it happen thing. before for younger coaches. Right. You know, younger in their aspect of coaching career, right? Head coaching career, right? Like Rick so, Carlisle got me, fired like, right before Larry Brown led the Pistons to a championship, right? Yeah, Carlisle was you know he was legit, and he yep. went on to prove that you know Indiana, then Dallas, and do it. We're obviously talking about the Thunder here, and we've got some news that is blah. Like, Vic Krejci has been traded. I like Vic. I did, too. His whole time there, I've said his name right now like three times, but um, now he's off to the Hawks. We're getting a player that I really, really liked liked five years ago. (laughs) (laughs) But Mo Harkless, we're getting him. But we're getting a second-round pick, which means— But there's no way we keep him. Right, I mean, but here's we say that, bro. No way we keep Mo Harkless, right? But in the reality, we always have veterans. Okay, we so veterans. if we if we keep Mo Harkless, he's a professional. And we try to re- reunite him with his his better years, right? Or at least, you know, which younger guy are we getting rid of? I'm not worried, because here's right now we don't have to get rid of anybody else. I don't think. Okay, but I feel like we got rid of too many people too fast. Like we saw Ty Jerome not go to media day. He said bye bye bye. We already saw bye-bye. Isaiah Roby bye 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 early in the summer. The Krejci is gone, but that's a that's the three places that we needed to in order to fill those spots, and now right. we don't have to cut anybody. That's why I was saying is like if we keep Mo Harkless, maybe it's because another injury. But to me, like like at this point, we don't have to cut any of our young, really good players like Maladon and and other players like Does that. Mo have any used to any teams in the nba anymore or it's like is he just like a buyout i i listen he could buy out and go sign to the minimum with the blazers because where he had me, his best years like he's seems like a future coach like he's got that type of you know, he's played at a really high level for a lot of really high level coaches and he understands the the modern nba and i feel like yeah we wouldn't want to see any any of the young players lose a spot but if 
like say they did have a plan to move on past Derek Favors, right? Mo Harkless could be plugged into that. Like basically, you're here to show the young players what it means to be a professional role. Which well, I, I would love. Mo I, would, I would be love. somebody who'd be great for that. He would be great for that. But at this and he's stage, cheap and he's cheaper than than uh, uh, Derek Favors, right? By like six million or five and a half or whatever it is. But so. in the end, more than likely. We're not keeping him, and we're probably going to keep Derek Favors for just a little bit longer until, you know, like he has some value as an expiring contract. So as soon as somebody's yeah. willing to, like, recognize that their A plan has fallen apart and they, they need to bail out Man, with an expiring listen, contract, he's there. You know what I want to see? Yeah. Uh, a young, um, injured big man that gets injured for the season that will be back next season that will fit our scheme a lot better that we could trade Derek favors for that young player. And we could have, you know, when I say a young big man, I'm talking like solely to the aspect of being that, that physical body that Derek favors is. And, you know, we always need somebody like that on our bench. We don't need the traditional big man for every single game, but there are teams that we have to have more traditional big man because, you know, playing against DeAndre Ayton or playing against uh, Yoko or Embiid or whatever, you have to have uh, somebody that can take a lot of the banging and bruising and, and cause the other players to get tired. And that's the great thing about, you know, having a, a big man rotation like this Thunder team is going to have. Um, but Derek Favors to me is, is a great player to have, you know, in the locker room on your bench and putting in a good 12 to 14 minutes a game. Uh, does that fit with this Thunder team? That you know, I think he has value even halfway through the year uh, for a trade partner. So five million dollar you know trade piece. You got a big man that's injured, not going to make it. Uh, you know, you need a you know, another big man for the playoff push. I, I could see a totally something like that happening. Um, you know, let's just say, you know, a, a team like the Timberwolves, right? You have a, a, a player. You know, they just went out and got the Utah big man, um, Gobert, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just say, like, he gets injured and is out for, you know, like two and a half months just before the playoffs. Like, this would be a perfect opportunity for them to go out and get a player that's similar to what he can do and essentially helping Cat still understand his role. So, again, these are the, the, the moves that we'll see as time goes on. But, you know, we want to make sure that, that we really help uh, any team that we can uh, make that playoff push if that's what they're trying to do because we could pick up a, a first rounder for for a piece like that when you're desperate. <laughs> yeah, I mean for sure there's a, there's a number of reasons why, but um, it's one of the situations where we get paid a first rounder to take him, paid a first rounder to get rid of him, and yeah. that's Sam Presti's um, DNA really. So yeah, so why get rid of him? Right. You know, like keep them on your team until right now. the right opportunity. Right. So um, let's talk a little bit about Shea. Bro, I felt like um, we were getting rebuked quite a bit at the media day. Um, <laughs> Shea um, makes it really clear he wants to say Sam Presti. Like, look, we just explored the ideas that the, the rest of the media was talking about. And we just said, like, does Shea want to stay if it's going to be another year? Right. And Bro, you know what the, we did? What? what we did is simple was uh, we wanted to ask the questions 
that nobody else was asking. Right. We wanted to clarify the questions that nobody else was asking. Like we, 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 we put out there some ideas, like if we had Shay, right. Um, at full strength and we have Josh Giddy at full strength, you know, like, and no Chet, how does this hurt the team? Like, these are the questions that Sam Presti even addressed by himself and talking to the media before it was question time, you know, like, like it was the cohesiveness that he was excited about and all this other stuff. So for me, like, I understand that we, we chapped a lot of people's asses by, by doing these, some of those, you know, episodes, but man, I gotta be honest. I'm glad we did because to me, it's like, here's the thing. If we didn't, there wouldn't have been so many questions at the media. Like, are you committed to this team? Are you committed long-term to this organization? Right. There wouldn't have been as many like, or hints to that because that would have ended. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't know if we would have been able to sit here and say, oh, yeah, Shea's staying with a Thunder. 100%. If it wasn't for the, some of the questions that we brought up. We brought up some of the questions that, you know, a lot of diehard fans that know a lot about basketball were asking. You right. know, a lot of people in the NBA were asking because guess what? Yes. If you're looking at young, talented players under 25 years old that have all-star potential, it's a small amount of players out there. So, of course, from Dominic Mitchell, people would be like, okay, now he's off the trade block. Who's the next person? Right? Right. And you're looking at a list and you're saying, okay, well, this player, this player, this player. And, again, it goes back down to disrespect towards Shea because if this is the way that Shea's looked at by the rest of the NBA as a top 25 player – and then the ESPN ranks in, what, 66th? It just yeah. shows you the disconnect from who Shea is and the player he is. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, again, we were never saying trade Shea. We want Shea to be on this team for the rest of his career. But we were saying is we have to also sit back and say, Shea, what is your desire? Because that's what Sam Presti is going to say to Shea whenever a, a big moment like this happens. Like, we, we, yeah. This is not the old NBA where we own the player's contract, we own them. Yeah. This is the old NBA where any player or any organization that says, we own your contract, you're going to stay with us. And the player revolts, turns into a Paul George situation where you get a fraction of what he's worth. Right. And that's what every team wants to avoid. So if Shea goes to Sam Presti and says, I want out of Oklahoma City because it's going to be another two years of, of getting this team together – then Sam's going to have to say, all right, let's try to work out a deal to a team that you want to go to. Because yep. if he doesn't, it's all over. Then, yeah, then and and that's will... why, to me, like it's it's we brought this stuff up not to cause issues, but because we love Shea. Right. And we support him no matter what he decides. And I thought it was pretty rich to hear Andrew Sleck ask Shea how he felt you know, about being around, was he committed to the team, and how he felt about people talking oh, about yeah. him potentially being traded when Andrew has literally started all the trade rumors. All oh, my gosh, dude. Ever all since he was like, Cade Cunningham, like, trade Shea for sure for Cade Cunningham, and then, like, next thing you know, you hear Bill Simmons talking about it, and it's like, I'm telling you, I don't care what anybody says, shit runs downhill. And I'm telling you, there's some bullshit being passed around there. We only asked the question 
how committed was Shea to the long-term future if we knew Chet was going to be hurt and it was going to take longer, right? That's what we and, asked. And but we also was asked literally who was trying to give him away for Cade, which will look pretty bad historically when this is all done. Well, and we also asked the question, and it was one of our most listened to episodes recently, was, um, you know, how does Josh Giddy and Shea mix? Right. Like, how does that combo work? You know, is there an opportunity for us to trade because of the it's it's going to, you know, decrease how valuable Shea is? You right. know, like these are these are things that we're working out. Like we we understand that they're not necessarily popular ideas and thoughts for Thunder people, but to us they are. And, and the reason is is because we look at Josh Giddy's game as the next level game. Right. Like, and whenever you see a next level game, you have to stop and say, you know, whether it's Luca or Joka or you know Embiid or fill in the blanks of these young athletes that are coming up, saying, does this person mix with this person? Are they going to be able to? combine on a team and do things that are, are proper yeah we need that's that why James we're worthy questions. for our magic johnson right we watched them play 20 games together last year that's it right you know like of course we're going to ask this question because the second shade goes down uh, down you see josh giddy come out with some insane stats right. and that wasn't because shay went down that was because josh was becoming more familiar with the game right you know, like together, they're going to be an unbelievable combination. Maybe one of the best young duo combo combination in the league, duo right. guard combination in the league. Right. They're going to make teams stop. It's it's not about who plays point guard. It's not anything like that. That's not how our offense is run. There right. is no set point guard. Right. You know, it's 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 running a team run point guard just like we run a team run um, big man. And sometimes we're going to have three big men out, uh, on the floor at, at one time. And it's just going to happen. And I'm okay with that. And it's just going to be the rotation and the way things go. It won't be long, but it will happen. That's right. what I love about this team, bro. It's it's going to have so much, like, you know, I, I look at it like this. is The NBA is a, like a one dimension, right, man? So yeah. you got this one dimension with the NBA versus, like, uh Man, I've been getting into watching a lot of footy, right? The AFL from Australia, you know? Yeah, dude. Um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm pulling up the window right now. I'm going to hit share, and then i got to go check on my dog really fast. And I'm going to hit okay, play. Okay, cool. You explain what we're watching, bro. Well, this is just one of the matches that I was watching. It's the, the um, Geelong Cats versus the Sydney Swans. It was the championship. Um, man, this is just insanity. First of all, is this is becoming my favorite sport right here i i love i love basketball um and that will always be my favorite sport but anything is that is this insane this physical this intense like look at the crowd first of all everybody's going fucking bonkers look at this pitch man it's massive okay and you're looking at this you're looking at i mean so much is going on and when you're talking about um hits right here when a pass is thrown over top there's knees, knees in the back of the head like I have never seen before. It is it is a gnarly sport. I fucking love this. This is like this is way better than American football. The physicality, uh the reality is is that this makes American football looks like the WWE, like fake football because of like, oh, you can't hit him here, you can't hit him here. This is real man's football. 
this is the way that football is supposed to be played right here. Like straight up motherfucking getting hit, getting dismolished, getting hit, dismashed, man. Like I have yet to see anything like this. This right here has really got me excited. I watched this right here as a highlight because I was looking up uh, some of the stuff that Josh Giddy has done. And one of the uh, things that Josh Giddy was able to do was Tom Mitchell, uh, which got to the semifinals um, of this year's um, league play, which is great. He plays for the Hawthorne Hawks. He does this uh, thing with Josh Giddy, And I started, I watched it and I got like, oh man, some of these passes and the way he's, he's kicking the ball and the angles that he's kicking the ball is like truly spectacular. And I get excited about it. I'm like, man, if this is the way it's played, I want to see more. Right. So then I pulled up this game right here and I started watching the highlights and the knees in the back of the head, the way that he's catching the ball like this right here in the box and how much it counts for points. Like I get really amped up like there's like so many different aspects to this game. And I keep thinking about Josh Giddy's game. Right, man. And how Josh Giddy's game really re reflects to this. And it goes back to this moment that we watched Josh Giddy uh, on the sideline. Right, Mark. He's he's just observing before he takes the ball. Right. Watch Josh Giddy guys this season before he takes the ball off um, out of the sidelines. He steps on the court and he just watches. Right. right. Yeah. OK. And, and it goes back to this. So much is going on right here. You always have to watch everything that's going on. Everything. You always have to see where guys are open, where the ball is coming at. Are you going to get need in the back of the head? Because these guys get like fucking destroyed out there. And if that's happening, right, and then all of a sudden you go in and start playing in in basketball because Josh Giddy, this is what Josh Giddy did for a while, play footy, um, up until he's 16, he said. So if this is the way everything is going and all of a sudden basketball starts becoming your main sport, it goes from, like, three-dimensional, right, to all of a sudden one-dimensional because basketball is such a softer sport of sorts, right? Yeah. It's a, like, not as fast-paced like there's not as much happening. There's, you know, um, easier passes than here. You're not, you don't have to worry about kicking the ball. All of a sudden it becomes way easier. And then you see Josh Giddy make these insane passes. It's because he's learned how to watch players out here, how to consistently communicate with guys and move around. Like, listen, I watched so many times in, in the three matches that I have watched now, okay? And I've watched three full matches in the last, uh, like, 12 hours, okay? Like, yeah. every single match that I've, I've watched, there's a lot of eyes moving, communicating with the fucking eyes. That's what Josh Giddies does so well. Yeah. Like, him and Kenny, eye communication, boom, boom. But this has quickly become, and I was telling Chencho uh, the other, uh, today, actually, just before we got on the podcast, I was like, man... I'm so into this. You got to check these guys out. And like the Swans are great, man. And, you know, especially the fact that, that uh, Thomas Mitchell played for the Swans early in his career. Um, but I really love the way that the Geelong cats play, man. They're super physical. They're super intense. Um, obviously they're, they're incredibly good this year. Um, this is the championship um, game and they just blew out the Swans. Um, but I also like the fact that this is the team that we watched Mark that special about the other day uh, where they went into the stands and they pulled out that, uh, that, that kid from the stands to yeah. party with them. Right. Yeah. Like this is exactly what I like to see, man. Look at the place, man. The stadium is fucking rocking, man. Like I, the excitement. Right. Yeah. And then you see Josh Giddy pick basketball over this man. Right. 
Yeah. Like, this is what he grew up watching and going and watching games at. And then you see Josh Giddy, and he picks the sport that he's picked. And I, I get excited, man, because now we get to watch Josh Giddy make these insane passes. And it's because he learned how to pass the ball in a, in a crazy way by playing footy. Right. right. He learned how to position himself playing footy. He learned the physical um, contact. When you get contact, how to finish with it. Like, listen, Josh Giddy has molded his game using footy as the prime example, man. And if you think about that and truly understand that, like Josh Giddy is going to be one of those players that people are going to stop and wonder how the hell did he slip that far in a draft? Because this young man is, is, is playing footy while everybody else is playing basketball. And to me, that's the most impressive thing I've, I've seen because footy is one of the most complicated, beautiful sports I have yet to see. It makes literally the NFL which is National Football League, look like they play WWE. Because these hits, these grabs, the knees to the back, the pushes, the... Bro, this is a man's league. This is a fucking man's league. And this is why I will always, always continue watching footy because I'm, I'm hooked, bro. I'm hooked on an insane level. This is, this is insanity, bro. True insanity. So, like, when you watch the game a little bit, you notice a lot of kicks so with that but it's the it's the bro it's what i watched is it's oh man this is what makes me excited it's the footwork of the kicks that josh does right yeah and he uses that power to transfer to the pass you see what i'm saying like like a 51 yard or 51 uh, foot pass for josh giddy is like a flick yeah. How is it only just a flick? Well, it's because he learned how to pass using his feet from footy, not yeah. from feet, for using his 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 lower body by by footy. Yeah, you know, and right? and dude, listen, I'm telling you guys right now, if if you listen to our show, and you love our show, you need to continue first of all watching these highlights. First but of this all, is get, just one. Get game. some help. You're going to need some help in life. Get some psychiatrist or something. If you listen to our show, you're fucked. That's my first thing. Second thing. Listen, I I don't know, Mark, if you know this or not, but when I went to the military academy, which is uh, in Big Sandy, Texas, it's not really a military academy, but we'll call it a military academy just because the way they fuck with you. Okay. But when I went there, they had a, a, a team, which was a rugby team, right, man? Right. And they would go play against other smaller colleges because, you know, whatever. Um, and it wasn't really, like, that big of a deal. But, you know, I participated. That's how I broke my thumb. And I participated in it for about, I don't know, um, 12 games before I hurt my thumb. Bro, listen, I've never been so sore after after matches, man. And, yeah. and rugby is an intense sport. But watching, watching footy, man... I, I literally was just like, this is this is beautiful. Like this right here. I like how fast it moves up and down the field. Like where sometimes yeah. I feel like rugby, you're sitting there watching a lot of scrums. Yeah. You don't really have that in footy. And because of that, I think players are hitting like I don't know a lot about rugby, but I feel like rugby is a game of maximum strength, whereas footy is a game of maximum athletic ability. Like 
I yeah. think about when some of the most fun memories I have of being a kid, right, is like playing ultimate frisbee. Because right? oh, yeah. you can run as fast as you can. You can jump as high as you can. And that's what you just see in footy all the time. People going at full speed and like laying it all out there. And they're not wearing any pads or helmets or anything. So like it's a fun. real man sport. Right. A real, and I think that it kind of like speaks to his durability. And we know Josh Giddy's dad had his number retired for his um, his NBL team. So basketball is in his blood. It's not like, oh, sure. he was going to for sure be a footy player. But I think for him, he looks at that as actually like it was a he had to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Like he had to pick one or the other. And he went with basketball. But for us, like watching some of the skills outside of the kicking, even though like you're saying, the kicking teaches how to be on balance, how to be in position, and how to make sure that, you know... You're passing with your lower body, which is right. something that, again, you're using the strength to do that, which is not something that's very common for basketball players to know. Right, and a lot more on the basketball court is happening in a very short amount of space. So, like, understanding, though, as the game of footy condenses around a goal or goal post or whatever they're really called, right... That's when you have to be really elusive in your passes because mm. there's there's a lot of defenders in this small area. So these one-armed hook cross-court passes when he's looking the other way and stuff like that, it's not exactly a footy pass, but it has that. Another thing I kind of noticed is Giddy has this tendency to go into like a crab dribble, if yeah. you will, like when he's doing his spin move, if the defense pressures him, he knows yep. how to like protect the ball with his body without picking it up, hmm. right? Absor- so he absorbs the contact with his ass, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And, and he can kind of like cover it, keep the ball dribbling. And then when he you know, has the, the ID, the defender, taking away his momentum, he can then keep his dribble alive as he goes. And I, I used to look at that as like maybe he doesn't have the best um, handles. Right, like yeah, you'll see like uh, Kyrie, like he'll always have the ball on the tip of his fingers, right? And Giddy kind of like had it like more like it protected, but I I look at it now as like that's probably more like a footy skill than it's like. But a that's lack what of you handle. teach in the NBA, right? You teach in the NBA to protect the ball. Like, listen, the skills with footy mm-hmm. translate to the NBA, and we're gonna see a lot of uh, talented players come out of Australia. And uh, yeah, obviously we've seen a ton of them already come out, but we're going to see more and a higher level of them, uh, Australian players because if footy is what you start with, right? It translates to basketball so much more, so yeah. much better. You know, yeah. like the positions and the and the post area and the post plays and like listen, it translates. And I think that's why I, I keep on looking at what Josh Giddy's done with this footy thing. And how he started and played footy and then translated that to basketball is why he's going to be so successful in the NBA. That the way he protects the ball, right? He's he's going to do less and less turnovers. He The ball's not out here. The ball's in here. You know? If the ball was out here, just like in footy, it's going to get knocked around everywhere. Where he keeps it in here and he lets the plays develop or he lets his footwork develop. And then he's able to flicker it using the foot strength, man. I... I I know. I I just like totally geeked out on on AFL footy, but bro, this is because we have an Australian player, and he's made it very known that like he enjoyed footy very much. He enjoyed playing it. When you watch him describe it 
And guys, go to the go to the YouTube video that you can pull up about Josh Giddy describing playing footy, right? And the and the rules and the contact. Like he gets passionate about it. And that's what started this whole thing was listening to Josh just talk about how footy like is such a beautiful, amazing game. And I was like, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, you know, I'll go pull it up. I'll go take a look at it. And it made me so fucking excited because now I, I'll never be the same as far as sports goes again, because like, you know, watching the NFL is, is, is great because that's what I grew up watching, you know, for the last 30 years I've done so. Uh, but AFL is, is such an unbelievable sport. Like, I don't know, man. I can't wait till the season starts. Like this is this is going to be fun to be able to have a, another another team to be able to start 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 cheering for. So, it, it, guys, listen. I know we got a lot of you know AFL and Australian people out there that 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 listen. If you have a favorite team and pl- player or whatever, I I'm getting into it. So please share with us, uh, you know, just your favorite team, favorite player. Cause I want to know more about the sport as much as I can. And I feel like, you know, just by the, the outpouring last time that we talked about Josh Giddy and, and footy, like I, I felt like there's an opportunity that, that I want to know more about the sport. And so if, if you're listening to the show, like reach out, let us know because I, man, I'm all in, this is, this is insanity and I love it. Absolutely. And we got to wrap it up now. We got limitations, bro. We cannot <laughs> upload unlimited size of files as we would wish if you're listening or if you're watching on apple podcast um you know that's where the limitations are but i just want to give a quick shout out to three people um fans of footy fans of the afl who have hit us up the first one is brthgi we appreciate your comments about giddy and putting us in this direction of watching some footy that really started us down this path and um brian Sign not um we appreciate you listening to letting us know that we're on the right path and we're going to keep digging because we're just getting started um and um hanish i think i said it right you got some dumb horns hamish hamish okay something like that i don't know i'm sitting too far back so i see what you're saying hamish dude we'll go with it um we're, we're pumped to have you guys listening it's been a lot of fun we're learning more and more about a new game and we're also going to take some time in the coming days to learn more about the nbl which is obviously the same game we love just played in different areas i want to see if i can find some highlights of josh giddy's dad playing i know we got his number retired Ooh. so they must be out there if you they can point me in the there. right direction yes do it and you'll get a shout out thank you so Hell much yeah. for joining us everybody if you join us for the last storm the yankee death star or no offense sports we love you we will Bam, see baby. you friday football it's gonna be wild bro who before we go we have 90 seconds bro who's yep. playing thursday night uh yeah man all right we're in trouble guys <laughs> we're running out of time oh my god dude all right so basically if you're still with us you're one of the few. Dolphins, Bengals, baby. Ooh. Dolphins, Bengals. Ooh, bro, you gotta pick Are now. Are the Dolphins for real? Bro, you gotta pick now. 45 seconds. Dolphins, baby. Dolphins. Let's do it. Dolphins? Yeah. You're gonna give me the Bengals? All right, baby. Give you the Bengals. I got it's a layup that. for you, baby. I got that. All right. All right. See ya. 
See you guys.